As a vegan, I'm always looking for healthy and delicious alternatives to milk and dairy products. If you haven't heard me talking about it yet, here it is again. My new obsession with Oatly oat milk. Oatly is the original oat milk from Sweden, my home country, by the way. And now Oatly is available in the United States for the very first time. It is so amazing. I have to get this to Aruba. So what is oat milk anyway? Well, oat milk is super sustainable, vegan, plant-based milk alternative made from oats with no GMOs, no gluten, no added sugar or gums or fillers. It's got beta-glucans, hope I'm pronouncing that right, which is a big scientific word for soluble fiber from oats and calcium and vitamins too. And yes, Oatly oat milk really does taste great. To find out more, go to Oatly.com, that's O-A-T-L-Y.com, with no forward slash or code to worry about because Oatly does not track ads, which might make them look kind of clueless, but they're used to being clueless or looking clueless among the food industry peers. Because here they are, this little oat milk company from the south of Sweden, hoping they can help the entire food industry become more accountable for their actions. There might be some food industry people laughing at them right now, but that's okay. Oatly did not expect the establishment to be happy when they made their own entire production chain transparent for everyone on the internet. At Oatly.com, you can read about every ingredient that goes into their products as well as where each ingredient comes from. Because trust is earned through action, not talk. However smart or clueless that sounds, one thing is for sure, it's true. And that's why I resonate with them so much. Go to Oatly.com. Hi, and welcome to another episode of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. I am so excited to be recording this podcast. It has been actually a three whole weeks since I sat down just alone to record a regular old episode of From the Heart. Uh, the last two weeks, we had the 50 plus beautiful women from my yoga teacher training sharing stories on their inner critic and their inner best friend. So two weeks in a row, uh, it's been a really different type of podcast and the response has been so beautiful. It's for sure not the last time that I invite a big group to come on the show in that way. It was just absolutely heartfelt. And again, a big thank you to every woman who shared a little piece of their heart that day. For this week's episode, um, this is one of the most <laughs> requested episodes of all time. Uh, and I don't know why it's taken me so long to, to record this. Today, I'm going to share with you my all-time favorite books on yoga and spirituality. Uh, so I, what the, I think actually the reason I haven't recorded this podcast earlier is because it requires uh, me to first, uh, number one, gather and pick <laughs> my favorite books. I have a, a huge library, like a whole wall of books in my house, uh, and it's just really hard for me to, <laughs> to choose just a few. Um, and also it requires me to be structured and like, you know, talk about things in a really structured way, which I'm not great at. However, um, I'm really excited to share these books with you and I have um, I have them all like a massive stack in front of me. I have 20 books in front of me. I don't think I'm going to get get through them all. So I'm going to try to start in the order of of importance of just, you know, how they've completely supported me on this journey or in some shape or form helped change my life. Um, so before I dive in, let's just in the spirit of this being from the heart. So let's all take a deep breath in and out. So speaking completely from the heart, before I dive into my stack of books in front of me, how am I doing right now? I, uh, I'm tired, you guys. <laughs> I just I gotta come right out and say it. I'm tired. I've had a 
had a really intense, not just an intense month with, you know, teacher training and retreat and a class that I taught in New York. Just it's been a, it's been a lot of work and I haven't slept a whole lot this past month, but it's been a long spring <laughs> and, and I feel really tired. And I shared it on Instagram yesterday that I was just, you know, feeling a little bit depleted and um, like I'm looking for my off switch so that I can come down from this high energy you know, never stop working type space that I've been in for the past five weeks. And a beautiful, beautiful person just reminded me like, hey, don't forget about Project Alone Time. Like it wasn't that long ago that you were, you know, sitting at home recording a podcast in complete, absolute peace and calm. Uh, and I said, oh my God, yes, I just, I, I need to get back to that place. And then she wrote, ah, oh, you're just a sunrise away. And it just, ah. Oh, Thank you. Thank you for, for sharing that. All of you guys, you know, I read every single comment that anyone ever shares with me. Um, I, I really am present with it all. So thank you for, for, for helping me with that. Um, I've, I've been sleeping in these past couple of days. Just I feel like I need to catch up on sleep. But tomorrow is my sunrise day. And I'm just, just excited to, to give myself time to land. And actually recording this podcast right now on these books is, is super, super helpful because um, so yeah, the stack of books that I have in front of me right now, they are books that I return to again and again and again for different reasons. Um, they have all been in my life for years, some of them for a really long time. Uh, and someone was asking if I read, if I read on a Kindle or on my phone or, uh, I, I don't, um, I know, you know, it's, it's a really good thing to, to, to be more environmental and to save on the paper. Um, but when it comes to these books, like books that completely, you know, have a, a really dear space in my heart I just I need to hold that physical book in my hand uh, and these books specifically like I have you know made notes in them and there's like little letters and like I they're, I like they're almost like little keepsakes my most special books like I, I keep things in them that mean a lot to me like poems and quotes and like pictures of my loved ones and I love opening a book at random and then just finding a little piece of my heart in that book so uh, if you're a Kindle person, totally, you know, go with that, enjoy that. Uh, but there's something about finding a book that just blows a piece of you open in a way that I, I like to hold that energy in my hand. Also, um, I, I couldn't read these books on a phone because it just, it's a totally different mindset. So my phone, of course, represents, you know, work and sometimes stress and social media and the doing side of my life. And when I drop into to meditation, which actually reading these books um, oftentimes is, uh, I just, I, I, I need to be as far away from my phone as possible. <laughs> so I uh, highly recommend finding a great bookstore. Um, and if, if any of these books speak to you, just kind of um, yeah, seeking them out so you can hold them in your hands. Um, let's see where I wanna where I wanna kick off. I'm gonna start at the top of this pile uh, with a book that I just I I recommend again and again and again. Uh, we have it at the top of our reading list for our yoga teacher training, even though it doesn't really have anything to do with um, with you know yoga philosophy or, or or anything like that. I mean, a little bit, but. Uh, I don't think it's a book you normally see on a standard yoga teacher training reading list. But this book uh, helped change my life. Absolutely helped change my life. And it's The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And I know uh, many of you, I mean, I'm sure you've, you've, you've heard about this book or you've read this book already. Um, it's one of those books that that I find will will make its way into your life when you're totally ready to receive and understand it. So my, uh, my mom gave me this book. I think I was 16 or 17. Like it was before I had ever 
you know, I had I hadn't really embarked on this path at all. Uh, and I don't know what what sparked, you know, her, her giving me this book, but I read it like I was, I think, yes, I was a teenager. I read this book, like cover to cover, fully read it. And it did nothing for me. Like it just, it didn't, it didn't do anything. <laughs> it was like a book that I read and, you know, it, it talked about finding the present moment and I didn't understand it. And I just, like I read it anyway, but you just, I, I remember putting the book down like, oh, that was like a waste of time. <laughs> uh in a way so it just wasn't the right time for me to 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 um to absorb the the wisdom and the 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 teachings of that book and then i think maybe two years later um i had i, I just I, I was just about to leave for costa rica and i had been to my very first uh meditation retreat and i was sort of opening my eyes and my heart and my mind to the idea of with the concept of, of meditation, which was so foreign to me. Uh, and I remember like finding this book again, it was somewhere in my room. And I just kind of I felt drawn to it. And I just kind of um, picked it up. And I, and I opened just any part of the book, like I just opened it right down the middle. And I read the first sentence at the top of the page that I randomly opened. And it just like, <laughs> it shifted something in me. And before I knew it, I, I, had, I was like sitting down and I was reading the book from the first page. And every page that I read, every paragraph that I read changed something inside of me. It, it absolutely, totally did. And then I brought, ended up bringing this book to Costa Rica when I left Sweden for the very first time. And I was traveling with two friends, backpacking, and this giant backpack full of stuff I didn't need on my back. And this was the one book that I brought. And I remember just this book being a total... Uh, it was a conversation starter everywhere I went. I remember my friends, Sarah and Christina, that, were, that I was traveling with, uh, they were making fun of me in this book because everywhere I went, people would like want to talk to me. They saw I was reading the book. I put the book up on a coffee table or or on a, uh, like at a cafe if I was sitting somewhere having a coffee and people would just gravitate to me because of this book. They're like, oh my God, you're reading Power of Now. Wow. Has it changed your life? And then Everywhere I went, I just found myself completely immersed in spiritual conversations with really amazing people just thanks to this book. So holding this book in my hands right now, and this is the same book that I've had then, uh, it's, first of all, it's totally falling apart. <laughs> like it's dog-eared, it's like the little, you know, cover, it's like peeling, you know, the front layer of the cover is, is peeling off since long. Uh, it has stains of stuff in it. I don't know, food or chocolate or, or something. Um, and like, I don't know, it's it's stuffed with things. Like I have so many things in this in this book. Like I open it right now. There's a picture of my dad, like a black and white picture of my dad when he was 22 years old in this little um, tobacco shop that he owned when he was when he was young. Uh, that's in there. There's a photo of me doing a handstand nine years old on a beach in, in Latvia with this amazing sunset in the background. Uh, there's a picture of my best friend who passed away, Andrea. It's in here. Uh, her and I spent countless hours just, you know, with this book, like reading and rereading paragraphs and just, just you know, burning Palo Santo. Like, <sighs> I just, I just smile thinking about it. Like this book for me is also, it has, it has a lot of history for me because I brought this book with me through every, every phase of life. And I'll go through, you know, I've, I've read it cover to cover so many times and then, you know, I'll put it aside and then, you know, sometimes it'll be like a year and I don't touch this book and then I, I gravitate toward it again and I just open it at a random page and it's just exactly what I need to hear in that moment. Um, I, I read it a lot when I was pregnant, especially the end of my pregnancy again, when I felt so anxious and 
Uh, like time was, you know, moving so slowly and I was just impatient and feeling miserable and just waiting for this baby to come. Uh, <laughs> rereading the power of now allowed me to drop back into my body again and again. So I would find this anxiousness and, you know, kind of disappear into worry and, oh my God, am I ever going to have this baby and what's happening? And the book would help me center again and again. So if you haven't read the book, um, Eckhart Tolle, he's, he's, I really suggest just go to YouTube. Um, you know, if you don't have the book in front of you right now, just go on YouTube, search his name and, and listen to any of his talks. Hearing him speak is, is really calming. Uh, I love his accent. It's just, you know, and you look, look at him right now, look at like pictures of him or videos of him from like 20 years ago. The man like does not age. <laughs> I, I swear it's, 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 it's weird. So Eckhart Tolle, he was, uh, he's a German, German man. I think he lives in, in Canada now. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, and underwent this complete spiritual transformation uh, when he was, he was in his late 20s and he was, um, he was depressed and kind of suicidal and, and just not living, uh, not living a very happy life. And he, so he writes about this in the book. I'm not going to give too much away. It's, his, the book is not about his own personal journey. It's about, um, yeah, it's about his teachings. I don't think he even calls it his teachings. It's just the, the realizations that came to him uh, through this spiritual awakening. And I love how like, so many genuine spiritual teachers, I, I, I always say, like, if you have something real to say, you're not going to take 35 books to say it. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like there's spiritual authors out there that that just every six months, like there's a new book and a new book and a new book, and it just feels really commercial to me. Um, Eckhart is one of those one of those people that that more states like this is um, sort of transcribed through him. You know, it's not just his ego wanting to put out a book and 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 put his own teachings in in, in written form, but um, but it's universal universal, and it's something that deep down we are all already aware of it's just we need to cut through the the layers of ego and time to to get to get there but anyway so his his uh, moment of big spiritual awakening was he was you know living under immense pain and despair and anxiety and he had a thought like in the midst of this darkest darkest time and the thought was i cannot live with myself any longer and then as he thought this i cannot live with myself any longer he had this massive realization of like if I cannot live with myself any longer who is this myself that I cannot live with like I and myself are we two different people is it two different parts of me who is this I that you know that can't live with myself anymore and just this realization of like oh there's there's a part of me that thinks this thought and then there's a part of me that's on the receiving end or in the back of that uh, just sort of blew blew his mind open, <laughs> and he had this realization of of ego and of time and of finding our way to the present moment is the only way to escape suffering and pain. And this whole book is is little tools and and wisdom and learnings on how to end the delusion of time and the delusion of ego uh, by again and again practicing the art of of being here and being truly truly present here. So he, uh, the, the teachings are just so, uh, okay, so <laughs> hopefully I'm not butchering this for anyone right now. I'm sorry if I am. Um, I'm just sort of giving you like the little recap of <laughs> this book that's so profound. You absolutely have to read it yourself. 
Um, but not only does he share these Im- immensely spiritual, like, you know, pieces of wisdom that you just, you can read and reread the same sentence again and again. Uh, and it, it can take some time for your, for your body to digest it, just the truth of it. And so often I'll read something and it, and it clicks on a really deep level as something like, oh, like, I know this as truth. Um, my mind gets in the way and thoughts gets, get in the way, but I know this as truth. So read it. Um, and then in between, there's he, he provides really great tools of how to make our way into the present moment, like tools like watching the thinkers, becoming aware of the thoughts as they pass in the back of your head, not identifying, like seizing to identify with the thoughts and with the, the judgmental mind. Um, things that are just really helpful, especially if you are moving through a difficult time. So how can we, you know, disengage with that? Like we spoke about the past two weeks, the inner critic, like if we identify with the inner critic, yes, life is going to be immensely difficult. Everything is going to be a struggle. So that first step toward liberation or toward making peace with, with, with the present moment is to disidentify um, and to recognize the thinker or the thoughts as something separate from the I, from the I am. So before we move on to my second book, I want to share just a little quote from The Power of Now. It goes like this. Don't look for peace. Don't look for any other state than the one you are in now. Otherwise, you will set up inner conflict and unconscious resistance. Forgive yourself for not being at peace. The moment you completely accept your non-peace your non-peace becomes transmuted into peace. Anything you accept fully will get you there. It will take you into peace. This is the miracle of surrender. So yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna share more than that. But please, 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 like seriously, um, yeah, <laughs> this is at the this is my top three for sure, for sure. Uh, if you haven't already, go read it. The second book that I'm going to recommend, and this one is like, it's as high, like this has a shared number one spot with Power of Now for me. <laughs> um, it has, I hold it so, so dear to my heart. And there's something about this book, I, it's hard for me to explain, but for me in my own experience personally, uh, my heart flutters more. I, I don't know how to explain it. Uh, Power of Now for me is is very related to um, to seizing, like it's very related to the inner critic and to seizing those judgmental thoughts. Like there's something about mind and the stillness of the mind that 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 for me relates to Power of Now. This next book for me is is all heart, like it's all heart, it's all love. Be here now, by Ram Dass. Ram Dass, he's my main squeeze. <laughs> Um, if you've heard me talk about Ram Das in prior podcasts, you know I have sort of a, a like a, a like a quasi love relationship with him. Uh, he's 87 years old, and I, I have a major crush on him. <laughs> like my husband is aware, he's accepted it. Um, I just I just love him so much. Like I could I could tear up. I, I'm tearing up just just talking about him right now. I'll look at photos of Ram Das and and I want to cry. Like that's that's just how much my my heart just. I don't know. I can't explain it. Um, Be Here Now is a remarkable book. Like it's, it's just, it's so special. Um, I'm holding it in my hands right now. And and this is it's like an interesting story for me because um, this book, 
I, I read it before, but I didn't own my own copy. So I knew about this book. I read it before. And I actually had two students of mine that came on a retreat in 2012 that gifted me this book when they left. Um, and Jessica and Alex, I don't know if you guys are listening. Um, like it's just having this book, being gifted this book completely completely helped change my life um, so I had read it before but not my own copy I actually don't know whose copy I read before that but I didn't have my own at home uh, Ram Das is I will listen to his talks like he does you know you can find them on YouTube just literally like you don't have to be picky or selective just listen to anything the man says I can listen to his two and a half hour talks like before I go to bed I'll fall asleep with his voice in my ears uh, if I'm if I'm feeling stressed or anxious or if I'm having trouble sleeping. He's just so genuine, like every, he's he's he's. I love him so much. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm like at, at a loss for words because of this because of the love I feel for 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 him and his teachings and his big big heart. Be Here Now is an interesting book. So the book is divided into tr into three parts. The first part is always what he calls is like the, the least significant part, but it's really interesting to hear. Like his life story is, is absolutely amazing. Um, he was a, a professor at Harvard, like a very successful academic, uh, had tenure at Harvard and, you know, a, a lot of professors underneath him and uh, was just very successful in this, in the academic world. And always sort of felt like he, like things hadn't quite clicked for him, so to speak. Um, and, the, you know, the 70s came along and he started experimenting with with psychedelics, so with different variations and forms of LSD and had, I think it was his first LSD experience, he had a like a massive awakening while high, complete awakening where he realized, you know, his purpose in the universe and that oneness and that we're all one and it's all love and this, this beautiful awakening and then of course as as the case is with uh drugs and <laughs> psychedelics is when the high is over you come down and coming down was this very very uh hard you know hard moment for him like having found god having found enlightenment um whilst on this drug so he started immersing himself in actual like like conducting clinical studies uh on the effects of of lsd and the human brain looking for enlightenment, like looking for that high, but for it to become permanent. And of course, because, you know, that's that's not how, how life works, uh, always ended up coming down, always ended up coming down. And after, I don't know how long, like a decade, maybe like a long, long time uh, of being very immersed in this uh, in this world of, of, of psychedelics, uh, gave up, you know, realized like, okay, like this, this is just not the way to enlightenment. And no matter how much he took or, 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 you know, how much he meditated while on the drug or how long, you know, how many days in a row uh, that, that, that he continued, uh, like he, he would always come down. So at the end of all of that, he ended up embarking on a trip to India with a friend of his. I, I can't remember what, who, who that friend was. Um, and while he was in India, met a man who introduced him to his guru or the man who would become his guru, Maharaji. And the story is just, it's, 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 it's beautiful. You have to read it yourself. But his kind of moment of enlightenment was, was meeting with this guru, uh, and, you know, in the Himalayas, the foot of the foothill of the Himalayas, 
this big man that was just kind of worshipped by the whole village and people would come from afar to see him and 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 he was so skeptical like very skeptical like who is this guy this seems like bullshit and why are they all worshipping him and you know and uh and had a, a massive moment of awakening uh when this 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 guru knew all the really personal details of his own life without of course having any 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 way of knowing and there's a talk the talk is uh i'm blanking on the name the talk is here we all are it tells the same story it, it's just a talk of him sharing the same story as the first piece of be here now in his own words i actually love hearing him tell this story more than i love reading it in the book so if you're just interested in, in hearing his life story it's it's really entertaining and really uh, quite remarkable you can listen to it on youtube right now the second part of the book, uh, which is like the meatier part of the book, is from Bindu to Ohas. And it's, uh, you have to turn the book around. So you're not reading the book like a normal book anymore. It's like the book is written um, vertically, like you turn the book around. And it has like different colored pages and it has really beautiful, uh, like hand drawn artwork. And it's, it's meant to. It's meant to open your heart and quiet your mind. So you can kind of turn the book around, open it at any, like any page. Like I'm just going to do that right now. <laughs> so I'm just opening the book at total random right now. <laughs> um, be here now, Ram Dass, um, the, the middle part of the book. Um, and this has, the drawings are so beautiful. Like I can just sit and, and, and stare at the drawings. But okay, this page at random um, goes like this. Nobody is going anywhere. Nobody is coming from anywhere. We're all here. We're all here. In eternal time and space. We're always going to be here. We're just doing Lila Rasa, the divine dance. We're dancing and dancing and dancing. Dance after dance in one body, in another body. And we're all here. We're all staying right here. I get goosebumps because I, I just, I just, I love it so much. It's a really, it's, it's just a really special book. And I love that it's one of those books, like you don't have to read it from, from the beginning, just pick it up, open it anywhere and, and just take a moment to digest the page that you've opened. Um, the third part of the book is called Cookbook for a Sacred Life. Um, and the Cookbook for a Sacred Life is, is, Ram Dass's actual tools and suggestions from everything from um, how to take care of your body, how to meditate, um, yoga poses to practice, um, what to eat, what to put into your system, um, you know, mantras and just actual like a cookbook for a sacred life. Uh, and instead of the instead of the chapters and everything, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it actually says in the beginning, it says ingredients. And you can kind of, okay, what are the ingredients that I need for a, a sacred life? So <laughs> this book, yes, 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 yes. Um, it's, it's, it's up there. <laughs> read it right now. What's so beautiful about all this, like if you don't have any of these books at home or, you know, the ability to read right here and now, but one of them is pulling at your heartstrings, like Be Here Now always pulls at my heart, but I don't walk around with that book everywhere I go. Uh, like YouTube. It's amazing. It's amazing. You can just, you can find so much. And uh, sometimes like listening to these spiritual masters speak can be really powerful. Uh, so Ram Das, I mean, any of his talks, like just listen right now. And I, I'm hoping that 
Uh, I'm really, I'm really scared that he's gonna die soon. Like I, you know, hopefully he'll he'll live a an even longer life. But I mean, the man is 87 years old. He's in a wheelchair. He had a stroke. I really, really, really want to see him in person before, um, yeah, before it's too late. He lives in Maui, and I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to go. Like I'm trying to plan a, a trip with Dennis. It's just something that I feel really urgently. Um, so yeah, more about that if, if that actually happens, but Ram Das, be here now, read it. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. Hiring used to be hard. Sorting through multiple job sites and stacks of resumes makes for a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be made super easy and you can find that perfect fit for the role. You only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash yoga. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. ZipRecruiter actually uses powerful matching technology to scan thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. These invitations have completely revolutionized the search. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. Let ZipRecruiter do all the work for you. With features like these, ZipRecruiter are so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. You're only clicks away from finding that perfect hire. With results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash yoga. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash yoga. ZipRecruiter.com slash yoga. ZipRecruiter, it's the smartest way to hire. So the third book that I'm going to talk about is another favorite. Um, this one, however, has a brings up a totally different feeling in my body when I hold it because it's a book that I that I come to only in extremely challenging times so if you know power of now (laughs) brings me peace of mind be here now just opens my heart Um, this book is a book yeah a book to come to in in serious times of need and, and struggle so it sort of brings me this not unsettling feeling in my belly but it reminds me of 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 the challenges that I've been through, um, the moments that I that I that I've held this book in my hands. The book is "When Things Fall Apart." It's heart advice for difficult times by Pema Chodron. Um, <laughs> I mean, you can tell by the title "When Things Fall Apart." So it is a book that's that I highly recommend for anyone moving through grief for anyone moving through death of a loved one. Um, it's, it's, it's so, so Pema Shodron, she's a, I hope I'm pronouncing her last name right. God. <laughs> I always thought it was Pema Shodron, but I think it's Shodron. <laughs> um, so she's a Buddhist nun uh, and, a, and a, a really beautiful human being. Similar to this, uh, I mean, she's she's written several books, but and her her teachings are always the same, and they uh, it's it's to lean into the suffering, which is a, a really kind of radical idea. So when we're moving through something really heavy, th- something really difficult, our tendency is always to escape, right? So how can I how can I move away from pain? How can I be done with this sadness? When is this grief going to be over? And her teachings, I mean, they so align with, with my own knowing of what works, at least what works for me, is to sit with pain, 
So to lean into suffering. So when we're moving through grief, the death of a loved one or a separation or a struggle of any kind, rather than how can I escape it and immediately find my way back to happiness, um, the question should be, how can I allow myself to sit with this pain and, and, and let it burn? So knowing that, knowing that our emotions arise when they do because they're meant to be felt, right? And every time we avoid an emotion or we avoid uh, pain, it's, it, you know, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come back and it's going to come back stronger at a later time. Um, the body might accumulate the tension that we hold and the tension that kind of, tr- that kind of is created um, by, by not releasing the emotion, right? By sitting on the pain or the darkness or whatever it is that we're going through. So the idea is that by sitting with pain, it transmutes us, it transforms us. And eventually, um, when we've experienced that pain enough, we've sat with those emotions enough, it will become transformed and we will find that place of, of genuine happiness again. So that the only way out is through, um, not around. So it's, 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 a, <laughs> it's a really good introduction to to learning how to deal with our emotions, to learning how to sit with pain and also recognizing the behavior that we already have in terms of how we always want to, you know, kind of we wiggle around with discomfort whenever any sort of um, pain arrives, like we, we don't want to sit with it. Uh, and this goes for like little day-to-day stuff also, not just big, big, you know, life-changing things like like, like death and, and grief, but whenever we find our, ourselves in a place of discomfort in daily life, we try to immediately like shift around and like, okay, wait, I, I got to be happy again. I got to be happy. I got to be comfortable. I got to be, um, you know, so we're constantly jumping around, um, you know, never really settled and still with whatever the moment has brought us. So the practice of, okay, like here is like, whatever it is, here is, jealousy like I'm experiencing jealousy right now interesting all right can I can I allow myself to sit with that um maybe contemplate like where it comes from um feeling that 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 sensation that emotion and how it sits with me and how it's mine and not someone else's rather than you know react or act out from that from that from that place like letting that emotion sort of lead the way um, and whatever that is, like if sadness comes and, and, you know, we don't always need a massive reason to be sad. Sometimes sadness just arrives. How can I allow myself to let sadness be present for as long as it needs to? And there's always that scary feeling, I think, in the back of our minds of, you know, it's 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 not comfortable to be sad. <laughs> like we want to be happy all the time, but that's just not how life works. I mean, if we were happy and ecstatic all the time, we would be completely manic. Like life would be really, I think, unbearable with time, with this manic idea of, of happiness. That's not what life is meant to be. There's beauty to sadness. There's a softness to sadness, a vulnerability to sadness that's really beautiful and that we need. Um, so when sadness comes, can I allow myself to feel that? Can I sit with that? Um and not some get so caught up in, in the thoughts about what has happened or the thoughts of how I should feel or what things should be like, but just recognize that sadness is here. And if I if I feel the urge to cry, then cry. Right? If I if I if sadness is here, like let myself feel sad. Trusting that by immersing myself in that place of what's here and now, um, it's all gonna pass, right? Like 
this too shall pass. Everything eventually passes. And I find from, from my own personal experience that the more we immerse ourselves in whatever's here this moment, the faster it passes, right? Especially those, those challenging moments. So whenever we try to avoid and work ourselves around the pain, uh, it's, it's still going to be there, you know, and it, and it might translate as this sort of lingering feeling of, of discomfort that's present for years, like for most of our lives, this, this feeling of not feeling settled or feeling, feeling a little bit anxious all the time, rather than, you know, if something big has come my way, can I sit and, you know, immerse myself in a wave of grief? Um, and then after that, the happiness and the light that comes will be, will be really genuine and, and, and longer lasting. At least that's what I find. So, this book, um, Pema Shadron, it's it's you know heart advice for diffi- heart advice for difficult times, and it's so true. So, um, and yeah, I almost feel a little bit sad that when I hold this book, I feel like, as I said, I, I keep little keepsakes of things uh, in all of my books. I'm gonna just see what falls out of this one. Okay, so I have a a newspaper <laughs> clipping. <laughs> this is actually funny. Uh, it's a little newspaper clipping that I've torn out of a newspaper. Uh, it's Bizarro, the the comic. And it's a woman holding a giant bear trying to enter some sort of, uh, I think, the post office. And the bear has a, a, has a harness or a vest that says, service animal, do not pet. And the woman says, but he calms my anxiety. <laughs> I think that was that's funny and that that's in this book. Um there's about I think four or five uh little little letters from from students. I can tell that I I brought this book with me to Thailand 2015. Um this that was the the month of my mom's uh latest suicide attempt. So I remember I I had this book with me already when that happened because I was reading it because I was moving through a lot of grief already and then I had this book there when that happened uh, with my mom. So it was kind of like this this lifeline. Um so there's lots of little notes of gratitude and things from students that I had at a retreat um that year. And then there's a note um it's like a, like an angel card, I guess, but just with a quote. I don't know where this comes from. Uh, and it says, I trust that the universe gives me exactly what I need at exactly the right time. Everything works out perfectly. And then I open the book a little bit further and, uh, and there's a picture of my best friend <laughs> in crow pose. Um, <laughs> it's just... It's just, it's hard for me to hold this book. And you know, this is also true that the things that we, uh, that we hold onto in hard times, they tend to sort of take on that energy. So I think that's why, like, I, I don't come back to this book unless I am moving through something, but um, holding it now, I just, I get the feeling that it's time to read it again, maybe read it, um, read it when I'm in a good place. Um, we'll pick up different I mean, we always pick up different messages and different pieces of wisdom depending on the space we are already in. So I think I'll be rereading this book this week. But when things fall apart, it's an amazing read. If you're going through a hard time, read it. Okay, and now I'm going to cry. <laughs> um, so I was just going to open a page so I could read you a quote from this book. And uh, on the front page, of course, I've forgotten who gave me this book. Like, of course, of course. Um, and it's 
scribed in calligraphy. It's beautiful. And it says, for Rachel, in honor of your dear friend and love, Waylon. <laughs> Wedding week 2014, Sweden. So my dear friend Waylon Lewis, um, of course, uh, Pema Chodron is a, is a student of... of uh, of uh of, of Waylon's own um I don't know if Waylon would you say that like <laughs> Trungpa is a guru of yours I don't know uh but definitely his his own his own teacher so ah uh, how could I forget that I probably because it was a really really shitty time in my life but Waylon Lewis if you don't know him he's uh he's the founder of elephantjournal.com an amazing human being and uh, helped change my life by placing this book in my hands quote from this book so I'm 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 gonna read a a piece that I have underlined and put like little hearts and stars around. Um, so this this paragraph at one point in my life meant a lot to me. It goes: the first noble truth of the Buddha is that when we feel suffering, it does not mean that something is wrong. What a relief! Finally, someone told the truth. Suffering is part of life and we don't have to feel it's happening because we personally made the wrong move. In reality, however, when we feel suffering, we think that something is wrong. And as long as we are addicted to hope, we feel that we can tone our experience down or liven it up or change it somehow. And we continue to suffer a lot. When we feel suffering, it does not mean that something is wrong. That's, that is a relief. Right? If suffering means that something is wrong, it means that it's on us to change it all the time. That always change, change sadness to happiness and, and fear to love and pain to joy. And um, if suffering doesn't mean any, that anything is wrong, it's just a part of life. Sometimes we suffer and when it's done, it's done. And then we'll suffer again. <laughs> she also, um, also write, writes in a non-theistic state of mind abandoning hope is an affirmation and the beginning of the beginning you could even put abandon hope on your refrigerator door instead of more conventional aspirations like every day in every way i'm getting better and better <laughs> hope and fear come from feeling that we lack something they come from a sense of poverty we can't simply relax with ourselves we hold on to hope and hope robs us of the present moment we feel that someone else knows what's going on and that there is something missing in us and therefore something is lacking in our world. Rather than letting our negativity get the better of us, we could acknowledge that right now we feel like a piece of shit and not be squeamish about taking a good look. That's the compassionate thing to do. That's the brave thing to do. We could smell that piece of shit. We could feel it. What is its texture, its color and shape? We can explore the nature of that piece of shit. We can know the nature of dislike, of shame and embarrassment and not believe there is something wrong with that. We can drop the fundamental hope that there is a better me who one day will emerge. We can't just jump over ourselves as if we were not there. It's better to take a straight look at all of our hopes and fears than some kind of confidence in our basic sanity arises. So good, so good so good you are listening to from the heart conversations with yoga girl
Morning routines are my favorite, especially the part where Dennis, Lea Luna, the three dogs and I all cuddle in bed together. It's a little bit squishy, but it's the coziest part of my day. Part of that is thanks to my blankets and my sheets from Parachute. Parachute makes modern bedding and bath essentials for a more comfortable home. They only use the finest materials, 100% long staple Egyptian cotton for their burkal and sateen, pure European flax for their linen, and 100% Turkish cotton for their towels. With smart, simple, and unique details, any room will feel crisp and clean. Designed in Venice Beach and responsibly manufactured by expert craftspeople around the globe, Parachute products surpass the highest criteria for testing for harmful chemicals and synthetics. Not only that, somehow Parachute's products get softer and softer every single time they are washed. I sleep even better knowing that my purchase is helping a variety of incredible causes too. Returned items are donated to Habitat for Humanity, and Parachute is committed to helping animals too. Sometimes I sleep with three pups on my bed. For every dog bed purchased, they donate a percentage of sales to foster-based shelters located in LA. I dream of a world where everyone starts their day cuddling in the coziest blankets, and you can spend some time waking up slowly with Parachute. Visit ParachuteHome.com slash YogaGirl for free shipping and returns on Parachute's very comfortable bedding and bath linens. That's ParachuteHome.com slash YogaGirl for free shipping and returns on Parachute's bedding and bath linens. They offer a 60-day trial. If you don't love it, just send it back. ParachuteHome.com slash YogaGirl. Okay, the next book I'm going to share, and I'm going I'm to change up the order a little bit of this. <laughs> uh, I know already by now I'm not going to get through my 20 books. Uh, but I want to I wanna touch on at least one or two books that are really specific to the yoga practice. Um, so the books that I've shared so far, Power of Now, Be Here Now, and When Things Fall Apart, um, they're definitely, you know, very spiritual books, um, not super related to the, the to, to our traditional practice of, of yoga. Of course, they are in many ways, but um, I think when people are asking me for yoga books, uh, you would also like uh, a book that speaks on asana practice. So um, my number one book on, 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 on asana is Yoga, the Spirit and Practice of Moving into Stillness by Eric Schiffman. Um, this book, honestly, it's the first book I ever read on yoga. My first book that I ever read on, on yoga, on yoga, specifically yoga. So I don't know if that's why I, like this book is still still sticking with me after all these years. Um, I actually I, I I bought this book not super long ago because I never had, uh, like I had the book not gifted to me but lend like borrowed um, from a from a from a woman that I worked with actually in Aruba a really long time ago, uh, and then I gave the book back, and then the book was at like this kind of public cafe place, and I would like, I mean, this was a decade ago, I would go back to this book again and again and again, and then I did something uh, that I probably should not admit to on a very public podcast, but I took the book and I copied <laughs> the pages in like a, you know, like like a copy machine. So for a long time, I read a, a version. Uh, Eric Schiffman, if you're listening, I'm super sorry. I promise you, I recommend this book to a lot of people. I hope many people have bought this book because of my recommendations. So I'm very sorry. I like <laughs> copied this book through a freaking machine when I was like 21 years old. Um, if you're listening, don't do that. <laughs> super uncool. Um, I just, I just, you know, was living on this island. There was no like bookstore here. Um, like I just, I had no, no way of, of getting my hands on this book in a permanent way. So I copied the pages. And for a long time, I read this book, like from a four pages that I had stapled together, um, which is, you know, not great, but it brought me a lot of clarity when it comes to this practice. And now this is one of the books that I always recommend. It's, it's also at the top of our reading list for our 
yoga teacher training. Um, and what speaks to me so much about how, how, how Eric talks about the yoga practice is that he has a really rare way of tying together the physical body with, with, with the heart of this practice and with love. Um, one of my favorite sections, he has a whole section on why to practice yoga. And this is like, uh, if you're a brand new, you know, if you're a beginner to practice or you're contemplating practicing yoga and you've heard it's good for you and people will tell you different things. They'll say, oh, yoga will, will make you flexible, which is great, or make you strong. Or people say, oh, you can lose weight or you can do this or it's fun or, you know, it'll bring you peace of mind and meditation, all that, you know, there's a lot of reasons as to why and, and, and people will always tell you different things. He talks about the why. Why should we practice yoga in really intricate ways? Uh, so he'll, he'll break down. There's a chapter that breaks down. Um, like yoga will give you balance. It will give you strength. It will give you flexibility. And the way he just speaks on it is, is, is really easy to digest. But even though it's, it's fairly complex. And then the beauty of this is, so he shares how these three things, balance, flexibility, and strength, will ultimately heighten your sensitivity as a human being, meaning that um, through the practice of yoga, we become more sensitive to everything around us. So for instance, and a lot of you might have experienced this, I definitely did when I when I first found the practice. After a couple of months of practicing, I just realized I, I didn't want to eat certain things anymore. And it wasn't this major hard decision of like, oh my God, I'm going to change my diet and, and do this and drink less alcohol and eat less sugar because it, I should be doing that because it's healthier for me. No, it was just a part of like an end result of becoming more in tuned with the body because of this heightened sensitivity. So when I teach, I call it listening to the body. So becoming very aware, letting the body lead the way, um, knowing that at the end of the day, you know, you're, whoever's teaching a class or whoever your yoga teacher is, um, that teacher should be secondary, right? You are your first teacher. You are the only one who truly knows your body. And when we cultivate this listening, this inner awareness of, okay, so what does it feel like to be in this pose, right? What does this shape feel like for me, this transition, this flow, this breath? Um, and what do I need in this moment? What, what do I genuinely need, right? Do I need to deepen something here? Do I need to back off? Do I need to modify? Do I need to invite more space, more breath? How can I settle in a place, even if it's bringing me some discomfort? So similar kind of ties back to the, when things fall apart, the book I just spoke about. Uh, we do practice that in our asana practice all the time. The art of seeking out discomfort, finding that discomfort, and then choosing to stick around. Like that's what what yoga is it's sort of insane <laughs> we're all kind of crazy um, but we do that again and again you know we find these poses that that might feel tense and might bring us discomfort and like oh i'm so tight here and this is really oh, it's hard to be here like yoga is not easy um but we don't escape it right if we only did the poses that feel really great all the time and you know butterflies and rainbows and everything's easy um we would never advance in our practice like we would never really get anywhere um so it's going to come back to finding those places of discomfort and because we choose to stay, but not in a mindless way. It's not like we're forcing ourselves into places where we feel this immense pain and we, we force ourselves to, to, to go deeper and, you know, move toward injury. But it's a very subtle listening of knowing, okay, you know, discomfort is here. It's not pushing me to pain. It's not pushing me to injury. It's not taking things too far. It's not my ego pushing me to a place of I should advance in this pose or I should do more crazy things with my body. No, no, no. It's absolute, you know, other way around. It's 
cultivating this listening to the body so that um, so you'll know, right? You'll you'll know. It's this inner knowing of this is a good place for me to stay in this pose if it's a long hold or or what, whatever it is. Um, and knowing that the more we surrender and the more we lean into it and the more we, we let go, um, the more the body is going to open, which of course translates to the heart and the more emotional um, emotional wounds, past pain will be able to release because it might have been um, might have been stuck in a pattern within the body, for example. Um, so what Eric Schiffman talks about a lot is this uh, this heightened sensitivity, meaning that the yoga practice will eventually spill over from the realms of our mats into our day to day life, where it might change our diet, it might change our health, meaning how we take care of ourselves, the things we choose to put into our bodies. It might change our relationships like that. That's a, that's a really big one. We become more sensitive to all of life um, and we become more aware of, okay, wait, is this relationship, is it doing me good? Is it bringing me energy? Am I in a relationship that drains me again and again when I'm the only one giving, but I'm not getting anything in return? Is it genuine? Is it authentic? Is there real love here? And suddenly things might start to fall away because of the sensitivity. Um, and then the chapter that follows that is that all of the sensitivity that we cultivate through the practice eventually, inevitably leads us to love. And I just love that. Like, you know, he's able to, to take the body, I mean, to take asana and pranayama and the breath work and just the really specific ways in which we move and how the poses work um, and translate that to love, which was for me, uh, the reason I come back to this book again and again, and the reason I really, um, like I'll read from this book out loud in our trainings and, you know, and it's, it's old. I mean, it's not like, it's not that old. I mean, I think it's from 2000, 2001, which I guess is almost 20 years. I guess it's, you know, um, <laughs> does that mean I am old? <laughs> like, hello? No. Um, but you know, in addition to that, it also, you know, breaks down what he considers the fundamental poses. I do not necessarily uh, agree with with the, the the you know if you get really nitpicky in terms of the asana portion of of, uh, of of the breakdown of the poses and alignment and all that I I teach fairly differently than that so just you know take what sticks and what feels right like if you cultivate that listening within you also when you pick up a book and a book tells you something you will intuitively know what's going to work for you right? You'll know something as truth and something as, you know, maybe something else or like something that just isn't resonating with where you are in life right now. And I think when I read this book the first time, because I was just such a beginner and, you know, yeah, I was like copying these pages because I, I just love the book so much, but I didn't have it. I didn't own it. Um, I, 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 I read the asana portion of like breakdown of poses and things and I took it as law, like, oh my God, because when we begin, you know, we start out with the practice, we tend to look at everything as black or white. Like, what are we supposed to do? What are we not supposed to do? What's allowed? What's not allowed? What's good? What's bad? And I have learned from, you know, a decade of, of, of teaching uh, that's just very rarely the case. Like most of life is just one big gray area. And whenever I hear any teacher say uh, it's black or white, it's my way or the highway, this is the only truth, this is facts, um, I get really wary, you know, because I think a good teacher should not just, um, you know, shouldn't just drill something in as black or white into, into their students' minds of like, do this, don't do that, but rather cultivate this critical thinking of, okay, like, here is how I do it from my experience, because I've come to learn that this feels good for me. Right? or that this works for the majority of my students. But 
do your own critical thinking, like what feels good, what works for you. So um, the way my teaching and my own practice has progressed in the 10 years since I first read this book, um, not all the alignment uh, of the poses um, fits for my practice anymore. Uh, but definitely the first, first part of the book, first half, the, half of the book that talks about why, why we should practice yoga and sort of the intricate workings of the inner body and the internal body uh, is super on point, super, super, super beautiful. So um, it's a really great read, really, really, really great read. And if you're looking for like, you know, basic tips of alignment and things like that, it's also a, it's, it's, it's also a really good book. So read it. If you're looking for a yoga book, um, read it. I'm going to read you a quote. Okay. I'm going to read you the part on, on love. So, um, the previous chapters he's spoken about, about strength, flexibility, um, and balance, and then how this helps increase our sensitivity and our, and our self-trust. Um, and here comes the, the first paragraph on love. All of this becomes especially interesting as you notice how thoroughly your life is shaped by your thoughts and the way you interpret what's going on. Every thought, feeling, and emotion manifests in one form or another in your body and in your life. As you become more sensitive to the inner feeling of who you are, you will notice this with surprising clarity. You will also learn a very simple truth. Loving thoughts feel good and unloving thoughts feel bad. Unloving thoughts are like self-inflicted poison darts, whereas loving thoughts are the natural response to reality when it is clearly perceived. The simple understanding will initiate a natural change of mind that will culminate in the primary and most important theme of yoga, learning to love and be loved. You will gladly allow the energy of love to circulate freely through you once you start feeling it. You'll no longer be so afraid of love, at war with love, because it will feel so much better to be loving than not. In this way, you will gradually become the conduit for love to shine through unobstructed, undiluted, pure and perfect. So that's Yoga, the Spirit and Practice of Moving into Stillness by Eric Schiffman. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. Grocery shopping with my husband is one of my favorite things to do, but it can be super hard in Aruba. Since we live on such a small island, finding high quality ingredients and organic fresh produce is a challenge. If you're like me and you have a hard time ensuring all the ingredients you buy are up to your standards, I recommend checking out Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest is a subscription service that makes healthy eating easy and requires basically no effort. Daily Harvest sends one-step prep, perfectly portioned, plant-based cups of frozen organic fruits and vegetables directly to your door. You don't even have to think about making the healthy choice. It's delivered right to you. You can choose from smoothies, savory harvest bowls, overnight oats, and much more. An amazing meal or snack made from delicious whole ingredients ready for you in as little as 30 seconds. All you have to do is add water or your favorite milk to the cup and blend heat or soak. Daily Harvest is the perfect thing to keep at the office or have on hand for those days when you just don't want to cook. Smoothies and harvest bowls make a great healthy lunch or afternoon snack. And not to mention the iced lattes are the perfect way to cool down after a sweaty yoga session. With three separate servings per order, they cost less than coffee shop drinks do. Daily Harvest understands that we need ingredients we can trust, and these deliciously accessible organic foods from Daily Harvest are becoming my first choice any time of the day. Try them out for yourself. Go to daily-harvest.com and enter the promo code YOGAGIRL to get three cups for free in your first box. That's promo code YOGAGIRL for three free Daily Harvest cups at daily-harvest.com. Daily-harvest.com. 
next book I'm going to share with you, I actually cannot find in my house. And uh, I'm <laughs> sharing this here because if there's a friend or a family member who has uh, casually borrowed this book and forgot to return it, I need it badly. Um, the book I'm going to talk about next is Oneness by Rasha. And this book is, it's, it's okay, I, actually, I, I was debating whether or not I should put it on the list, even though it's, it is one of those books that um, really helped change something in my life. And it's, it's a book that I gravitate toward like all the time. If I just like, sometimes I'll just go to my bookshelves and I'll just hold my hand over it and I'll just see, okay, what feels like right now. This book is one of those books that just continuously ends up in my lap again and again and again. And it's, it's really funny because I had, I cannot remember someone's when I first, you know, before I ever read it, this was, I don't know, five, six years ago, maybe, maybe more, maybe seven, eight. Um, people were talking about this book around me a lot oneness by rasha and i had heard about it you know, someone when i lived in costa rica like mentioned it there was this kind of a intentional community where i spent a lot of time and they were passing this book around and i was just like oh you know i never felt like that drawn to it but people were just talking about it a lot and then i went somewhere else like i went to the states to visit friends and someone there was talking about this book and you know like if you're in a space where you just hear a book mentioned a lot around you in different circles that's a really good sign that you know it's time like you're supposed to read that book so whenever that happens to me normally I'll seek that book out I'll be like okay everybody's talking about this book it means that there's something in me that's aligned with the teachings of that book so I'll like you know uh, like go to a bookstore and buy it or um, yeah seek it out just decide okay I'm gonna read this book um, the oneness book was was one of those books but for some reason I just I never sought it out like I never went to buy it I never asked one of my friends oh hey can I just can I have your copy or can I borrow it like I'll give it back I just didn't do that and uh so I had all those people like different people in different circles which was important then like not just the same people from the same circle like if all of my yoga friends were like you have to read oneness by Rasha I'd be like okay like all my hippie friends like this book but then I had other circles where people just were totally different that also were completely blown away by the book so I really knew okay it's 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 a real it's a real thing I can trust it um and then it was me and my one of my best friends Jessica we embarked on this this yoga tour that we did together I think 2012 or 2013 uh around the states and I taught a class <sighs> cannot remember for the life of me oh yeah santa fe we were in santa fe arizona which is a beautiful place um i taught a class and at the end of that class a student walked up to me and she was like hey i just want to like give you a little recommendation i don't know you've probably read this book already but i just read oneness by rasha it's amazing i really suggest you read it and i was like oh my god okay <laughs> that's it this she was like you know the 10th person in a in a pretty short time to talk about this book so I was like yeah, yeah yeah oh my god I know I have to read it I'm gonna go buy it I'm gonna find a bookstore I'm gonna go get it for sure thank you thank you for for sharing that with me and then from there we went straight to the hotel that we had booked like online we were gonna stay just one night at a hotel and we were it was like a 36 city tour that we were doing going from yoga studio to yoga studio and Dennis was with me for some of it it was the 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 time that we got Ringo actually we got him on that tour so I had Ringo, he was a tiny little puppy, just a couple of months old. And we were driving this kind of like crappy little car around the US, like across so many states. It was it was really wild. And then we had booked, like anytime we would book a hotel, we, we were totally flat broke. And we would like choose, try to find like, um, like there was no Airbnb then. At least I don't think so. Um, no, for sure there was no Airbnb then. 
we would try to find quirky little places, either by recommendation, like someone would write us through Instagram, like, oh my God, hey, there's a really cool place. If you're going to that city, you should stay there. Sometimes random people from social media would invite us to stay at their house. We would do that. Um, like we stayed at, at this guy's sailboat <laughs> in San Diego. This guy that we'd never met was like, yeah, I have a sailboat in the harbor. You can have it. And we were like, cool. <laughs> um, it, was a, it was a really fun time. Um, and then someone had recommended this really quirky kind of I don't know, this special place where we were, it was, it was supposed to be a, a cute little like weird place to stay. So we get there and I remember the outside of this, it was like this little mini apartment hotel that had like maybe five apartments or apartment like rooms and outside it was almost like an exhibition of just weirdness. Like it was super crazy. Like they had a whole wall that was kind of covered with like license plates and like vintage stuff and I don't know, it was just like from the outside it looked they looked totally wild. And we were going to go check in and we hadn't seen this place before. So we go inside, grab our bags. Uh, and I opened the door to the reception and literally the reception desk, the entire room of this reception, like the lobby of this little mini hotel was covered floor to ceiling with oneness by Rasha. <laughs> like hundreds and hundreds of copies of this book oneness by Rasha like I cannot I and I just you know and Jessica my friend Jessica like she didn't know that like this you know we hadn't talked about this book at all and I was like my jaw my jaw just dropped to the floor I was like what is this even like how is it possible the universe is like smacking me over the head with the fact that I have to read this book. And I asked the woman by the front desk, I was like, why are there so many? Like, it was like a shrine dedicated to this book. It was like, why are there like hundreds of copies of this book? Like there was a wall of just this book. And she was like, oh, the one who, the woman who transcribed this book, because um, Rasha is not like she, she just doesn't say that she's uh, the author of the book, but that she had dialogue with a universal presence with divinity. And she transcribed these principles for a new understanding of life. So it's like she's a medium of this um, divinity and she just transcribed the book. She didn't author the book. Um, and she apparently is a, was a really close friend to the owner of this hotel. <laughs> something like that. So she was just, you know, and she was probably, I think she was from there. Like, I don't know. I actually, I don't know anything about this Rasha because um, the, has like basically not taken credit for the book um, at all. So it was just so interesting. So of course, like I bought a copy <laughs> immediately, um, bought, bought a copy right away. And that copy has now disappeared from my house. And I'm like, I know I read it a couple months ago, like just the page of it. So it can't be that far away um but yeah if anyone has seen it i'm, I'm gonna go to the studio and, and check it out also because sometimes i bring books to the studio to sharing class and stuff i might have left have left it there but anyway that weird ass story aside um so this book was transcribed i think 1998 and it's giving a new vision of the world a new vision of who we really are and where we are headed um so it's 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 just it's it's written in a in a specific type of voice that just allows for a little bit of of peeling away of layers of harshness that peels away layers of of ego that inner critic like just reading this book it will immediately put your inner best friend in the front seat um it's written in a really personal way but it's ah uh, yeah i honestly i don't know how to how it's just it's just a book filled with spiritual teachings and metaphysical concepts and um, ways of change 
it just it, it talks about oneness like our oneness with with the universe as a whole and that we're all divine um it's it's just one massive tool of of transformation kind of like a yeah like a like a map to enlightenment <laughs> in a way i don't know how else to describe it um it's just it's just a very special book <laughs> that's that's all i can say very 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 special book um i'm going to read a quote from it right now The opportunity for you now is to breathe new life into the blessed creation of self through heart-centered focus. Then to stand back and allow that identity the scope of full expression without the influence of past beliefs, feelings of limitation, or any of the dogmas you have accumulated in your travels. All right, for my next book, I actually, I have so many books um, by this person. Uh, I actually didn't know what to pick. I didn't want to pick like five different books from the same author or the same spiritual teacher. So I'm going to share three of my favorite books from the same um, spiritual guide. Um, but really anything, anything here is going to be good. So I'm going to talk about Osho for a minute. Um, Bhagwan. Uh, I know there's there's a lot of stuff and, and controversy in the air right now after Netflix released Wild Wild Country. Wild Wild Country is a wild wild ride that uh, describes the farm or uh, this this ashram that was created by uh, Osho's disciples um, in Oregon long ago. Uh, so Osho is was I mean he's he's passed away now. I talk about him all the time. I practice his his meditations every single week. Uh, we do dy dynamic meditations. It's an Osho meditation. We do them in all our teacher trainings and we do them once a week at the studio. It's super transformational and I have taken part of, of many Osho-based um, spiritual uh, therapy groups uh, that have completely helped change my life. Oh my God, more than any one book, like the the groups that I've attended and the retreats that I've done um, yeah, it's everything. Path of Love, I talk about all the time. Doesn't have anything to do with Osho, like these groups. You know, you're not worshiping him. Like the, the, the beauty of Osho's teaching is that there is no guru. There is no one on a pedestal. He says anyone on a pedestal is pretending. Uh, so you don't bow to any single religion or person or teacher at all. Uh, but Osho was completely against any sort of institutionalized religion, any institution, like government, religion, even the institution of family, um, which is, of course, a very controversial and radical idea. But this Netflix documentary, like, sad, like, a lot of it is, is true, and it was totally wild and crazy, but doesn't speak anything on Osho's teachings, which I found really sad. So uh, if you're skeptical or, you know, just kind of wondering like, who, the, who this Osho person was, uh, just pick up a book. That's just my like first and foremost um, recommendation. Just pick up a book, uh, read anything that, that, that he has said, or, you know, you can go on YouTube, you can listen to his discourses or talks. Uh, it's all surrounded around unconditional love. Like all of his teachings are on love. It's, it's just it's just all about love. And, you know, it's really hard to to read. It's similar to reading like anything that like Ram Dass says or Eckhart Tolle says. Um, you'll read it. And at least for me, it just it resonates as truth. So Osho, actually, he didn't write a single book, but they're all uh, transcribed from his, his talks and discourses and things like that. 
And I have so many of these books. Oh my God. So he has a, a series of books that just talk on specific topics. Um, like there's a book on courage. There's a book on intimacy. There's a book on joy. There's a book on creativity. There's a book on family. Like there's a book on, you know, so if, if you're at a, at a bookstore, like that's pretty vast and that has a lot of, a lot of uh, these books, just pick one that really resonates with you. The one I'm holding in my hand right now is Joy, the book on joy. Uh, so it's Osho Insights for a New Way of Living. Uh, and the joy book is The Happiness That Comes From Within. Uh, that's that's one of my favorite ones. There's one on maturity as well, one on awareness. Um, the one on intimacy is really, really, really beautiful. Um, the one on joy is 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 remarkable, like just so, so good. Another one that I really like uh, is Love, Freedom, Aloneness, uh, which is, it's more on relationships, which is really good. Uh, I have another, another one that I like that's just called Everyday Osho. So it's like 365 chapters or 365 daily meditations for the here and now. And like, again, like you, you can open one page per day for a whole year, or you can just open a page at random. Um, like, okay, I'm opening one. <laughs> That's just totally random right now. Uh, 154 on judging. Judging has to be dropped. It is an illness that will never allow you any peace. When you judge, you can never be in the present. You're always comparing, always moving backward or forward, but never here and now. Because the here and now is simply there, it is neither good nor bad. And there's no way to tell whether it is better because there's nothing with which to compare. It is simply there in all its beauty. But the very idea to evaluate it has something of the ego in it. The ego is a great improver. It lives on improvement. It keeps torturing you. Improve, improve. And there's nothing to improve. Whenever a judgment comes, drop it then and there. Drop it. It's a habit. Don't torture yourself unnecessarily. <laughs> so 365 you know, daily meditations. Uh, oh my God, and I'm opening this... <laughs> Like as in with all my books, I just have random stuff that falls out of them. Like here's a picture of me. I think I'm, how old am I here? I'm like a little like baby. I don't know, not a baby, maybe like 18 or something. Um, yeah, these books are beautiful. So when it comes to a book, like an Osho book, um, I would suggest there's so, just so much to choose from, like so much that has been transcribed from his talks. Pick one whose topic really resonates with you. Um, and if you're skeptical, like that's totally okay. Like you should be with all right. Like there's a lot of wild stuff that went on, uh, especially like, you know, from from his, his students and disciples and, and, and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, read a chapter of one of his books and like your heart will, will settle because the teachings are absolutely beautiful. The next book I'm going to share, I actually have, have two books in my hand right now. I have A Course in Miracles in one hand, and I have A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson in the other hand. A Course in Miracles is like a monster of a book. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's a big, big, big book, and it's not an easy read. A Course in Miracles is also a, a book that uh, was transcribed so through a, through a medium, um, and it's just like, I have to just see how many pages is this? Uh, there's like 500 pages, <laughs> but written in like 
eight points and you know the the pages are super thin uh reminds me of a bible a little bit and in many ways it it absolutely is (sighs) a course in miracles there are so many students of a course in miracles who have written their own translations and their own reflections of the teachings uh, making them a lot easier to digest one of those people is Marianne Williamson, who is, I'm sure you know who she is, uh, absolutely gorgeous ray of light of a human being. Uh, my favorite book of hers is A Return to Love. Uh, I, I, I talk about this book a lot. Uh, so A Return to Love, Reflections on the Principles of A Course in Miracles. If you're interested in A Course in Miracles, I would recommend reading A Return to Love first. Uh, picking up A Course in Miracles, starting to read it at, at random, it's just, it's, it's, it's a lot. So uh, Marianne Williamson just breaks it down in a super, yeah, in a really, in a way that's really easy to relate to. Um, So A Return to Love is her own insights uh, on the, just the practical applications uh, of the teachings that have come out of A Course in Miracles and how, um, yeah, how they can improve our lives and provide us with answers when we need them. Every chapter is, is, uh, is just different. Um, you know, so there's a there's a chapter on surrender. There's a chapter on miracles, on relationships, on work, body. So it is a book that you can kind of pick up and start. You know, you can open a chapter where that you feel resonates with you, or you can read it read it just cover to cover. Um, I come back to this book again and again. The copy that I have is so faded; <laughs> uh, you can just barely see the the front cover um, uh, any anymore. Um, Marianne Williamson is also, I mean, she's an activist. She's a person that I find a lot of these spiritual teachers and, and guys that I've talked about so far uh, f- are a little bit inaccessible. Like you can go hear Marianne Williamson speak. I think every week in LA she speaks. Uh, she's an activist. She's super active in um, in fighting injustice in different forms. And you can, um, you can relate to her in a really solid way. So I would definitely recommend... Um, reading her books, you know, you can follow her on Instagram, listen to her talks. Um, she's a she's a powerful woman. <laughs> um, and whenever I'm kind of like in the need of not just like a little divine pick me up, but when I feel small, um, when I feel small as a woman, when I feel disempowered for any reason, she's just a person that uh, hearing her speak for 10 minutes just brings me so much energy and, and power. And also there's so much truth in this book that's just, um, it hits me in the heart, almost in the gut, like always in the right place at the right time. Here's a, a, a quote. I just opened the book at random. So at least to me, like I know when I have a book that just speaks truth, complete truth, when I can open almost any page in the book um, and find something that resonates with me right away. Um, so you don't have to look for the teachings. It's just the teachings will find you. Um, here it goes. God exists in eternity. The only point where eternity meets time is in the present. The present is the only time there is. A miracle is a shift in thinking from what we might have done in the past or should be doing in the future to what we feel free to do right here, right now. A miracle is a release from internal bondage. Our capacity for brilliance is equal to our capacity to forget the past and forget the future. That's why little children are brilliant. They don't remember the past and they don't relate to the future. Be us as little children that the world might finally grow up. 
All right, the stack of book in front of me is definitely shrinking. Um, I have four books in front of me right now that relate specifically to the yoga practice. Um, and as you can tell, so my, my passion for, for these books, um, most of them are not on yoga asana. Um, asana for me is just a really small tool um, and, it's, and it's limited. So, so for me, the, the books that really open my heart, my soul, that change something, uh, they're going to be books that are more centered around spirituality and less on the, on the physical body. But I have another, yeah, there's four books in front of me that have played a big part in my own uh, practice and in my own teaching uh, due to time. <laughs> I'm not going to dissect them completely, but one of them is Yoga, Mind, Body, and Spirit by Donna Fari. Uh, that was the first book I read when I became a yoga teacher. And it's just, again, I mean, it's, it's, it's just beautiful. It, it really just is beautiful. And it's a, it's a really good book for the fundamentals, the basics of the practice. So she also breaks down asana. She uh, shows different ways you can modify props and support and equipment that you need for the practice. She talks about the inner workings. She talks about alignment. Um, it's a return to wholeness so for students of all levels and traditions. And when I just started teaching, this book was really helpful for me. Um, also in terms of learning how to cue a little bit better. Um, yeah, and, and also learning how and when to use uh, different types of cues, different mudras. Um, I think this was the first book that I really, uh, I think this book actually helped me learn the basic poses in Sanskrit. I actually, I think that that was this book. Um, it's it's really easy to to digest, easy to to work with, um, and I just I just I love Donna. We 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 talk, actually, recent uh, months we've been talking a, a a lot because of the the Me Too movement in yoga. So I have a little bit of a personal relationship with her as well. But it's just it's a really good book for yoga basics. Uh, so she also dives into the the, the principles of movement and um, just. Again, that inner listening of how we are the ones who are our own teachers, right? So we can take all of these learnings and tips and cues. Uh, at the end of the day, we have to stay present with where we are in the here and now. And, and Donna just breaks on the practice in a really accessible way. So Yoga Mind, Body, Spirit. Uh, great book. Another book that I just I have to mention, I'm going to mention two right at the same time. So Light on Yoga by Iyengar or BKS Iyengar and Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. Uh, both like Autobiography of a Yogi is a great read. Like this is like one of the few old school books that like <laughs> I took this book to the beach <laughs> When I first got it, this was a gifted to me by, I cannot remember who, I really should remember who gifts me books more. Um, in Costa Rica, I read this book, I remember on the beach, like I was living in a little shack. I was not a teacher yet. I was just super into the practice. It's a really inspiring and captivating read. And it's sort of like a staple um, in the yoga world. And Light on Yoga by, by Iyengar also, uh, you will find this book on any reading list for any teacher training. And it's, it's sort of known as the, the Bible for, for yogis. Um, so the, the book is full of photos talking about the postures and teaching you how to breathe. Um, it's just a really full guide um, into the, the teachings and the workings of, of yoga. Um, for me, Light on Yoga is, is a little bit hard to digest, like it always has been. I remember the first time I, I read the book, I'm going to be super honest, I have 
read Light on Yoga cover to cover one time. <laughs> it's not a book that I pick up again and again to read in its fullness. Uh, however, I would go to the index and I would find specific poses that I wanted to learn more about or specific breathing exercises that I felt like I hadn't fully understood. Like it's a really good book for um, if you're looking for specific knowledge. Uh, but I mean, it's it's it breaks down like every single pose from A to Z. Um, so it's it's not an, an easy read. And I remember when I when I read this book, I mean, the first time, I think this was like probably my first year of teaching where I was like, I have to have read this book because everyone says this is the Bible of yoga. You know, it's it's uh, it's quite hard to digest. So I um, still to this day, like I'll go to the index and I'll choose or to the appendix and I'll choose something that I'm specifically looking to learn a little bit more about. Um, we spoke about this with our last podcast I did with Laura Hyman. There's a lot of alignment stuff in terms of the old school teachings that that I don't resonate with at all anymore. Um, and a lot of that um, shows up in this book. So let your body be your first teacher. Uh, it's it's a good book to have specifically for for if you're looking for specific terms and knowledge and uh, and also it's it's also where we come from, right? So. Um, having read this book, it gives a really good look into where yoga was and, and the tradition of yoga um, and also noticing the change and, and kind of how it's brought us to, to today's world. So uh, it is a staple, but um, doesn't pull on my heartstrings or anything like that. But it's sort of like a must read. <sighs> I'm going to finish. <laughs> Actually, Dennis was like, uh, are you going to talk about yoga girl? <laughs> so in case you didn't know, um, I wrote a book. <laughs> um, it's called it's called Yoga Girl. If you, oh my god, I hear my baby downstairs, which maybe means that you can hear her too. Um, if you've read my book, that just makes me so happy and super grateful. Um, my, the book that I wrote, I mean, this is my first book. My second book is coming out next year, which is super exciting. Yoga Girl talks about my story. If you listen to this podcast, chances are that you have heard my story even shared in more depth. Um, I've also included my favorite recipes and um, some yoga sequences and poses that I find foundational to my own practice and my own teaching. So a lot of people tell me that they, it was the first book they ever picked up in terms of yoga and that it was a really um, easy transition into the practice. And I had just like my, my pearls of wisdom and moments of epiphanies that I've had and you know, there's lots of fun pictures of me and Dennis in the book. Uh, and I share some struggles and, and, you know, like hardships and how it brought me to the practice and, and the lessons that came from that. So, of course, I have to mention my own book if I'm going to mention all my yoga staples. Um, the final book that I'm going to that I'm going to um, touch on. And this is um, this makes me smile. OK, holding this book in my hand just puts a huge smile on my face. Uh it's Rumi, the Book of Love, and it's the translation by Coleman Barks. So Rumi, I'm sure you know, like Rumi, I, I feel like like people are just like butchering <laughs> this, 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 this poor man's words. Uh, Rumi has become like the staple of the Instagram person sharing an inspirational quote, <laughs> which uh, sucks because it's just a lot of the substance of, of, of just the pure genius of, of, of Rumi's heart. It's, it's totally lost in social media. If you're uh, intrigued by, by Rumi's work, uh, like get, get a book, just pick up a book. Um, Coleman Barks, I think is, is the, one of the people who translates so, 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 so well. 
Um, so Rumi was a, a mystic and a poem, uh, just a, a, a Sufi a poem. He wasn't a poem. He was a poet, uh, but a Sufi uh, mystic. And his poetry is just, I don't know, there's something like erotic, not erotic, sensual. There's something so sensual about the love that he's able to convey through 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 words in his in his poetry. It's it's beautiful. And Rumi, the book of love, uh, poems of ecstasy and longing. I mean, doesn't just the title make you want to like wish you held this book in your hands right now? <laughs> it's so unbelievably beautiful. Um, I'll sometimes open this book. I'll read one poem and sit down for meditation. It's it's just. Um, it does it does something to you. Um, let's see if I can pick up a page, just open a page at random. So I, I have I have goosebumps now. Let's see here. Quietness. Inside this new love, die. Your way begins on the other side. Become the sky. Take an axe to the prison wall. Escape. Walk out. Like someone suddenly born into color. Do it now. You're covered with thick cloud. Slide out the side. Die and be quiet. Quietness is the surest sign that you've died. Your old life was a frantic running from silence. The speechless full moon comes out now. I'm going to let Rumi be the last, the last, the last book that I share of this, of this podcast recording. Um, thank you so much for 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 listening. I'll uh, I'll share uh, at the description of this podcast just a, a list of of every book that I've spoken of. Now, please share with me your own book recommendations. Uh, if there's a book that you feel fit with this, you know, the theme of the books that I've shared so far, something that has completely changed your life, I'm always looking for new reads. So um, share them with me. Um, you know, direct message me on Instagram or drop me a comment in the comment section. Super happy to always looking for more, always looking for more. This is the path. This is the journey. But every book that I've shared today, I, I do come back to again and again. So if one of them speaks to you, if you feel like you really resonate with something, um, just make that thing that you do today. Go out and get that book and, uh, and read it and watch your inner world change. Watch your heart open. Watch your mind quiet. All right, my beautiful human beings. Uh, I'm going to share just a, a, a thing that I decided to to do last week. So uh, if you're listening to this podcast every single week, I'm going to start taking questions, maybe one question per week, per episode that I record. So take a screenshot of you listening to this podcast, either like a screenshot of the podcast app or a photo of you listening or a photo that has inspired you while you've listened. Um, write a little caption and then use the hashtag yoga girl podcast. And then every week I scroll through the hashtags. I'll pick someone at random and I'm going to give you a call. <laughs> uh, it's a quick call on the phone and you'll get to ask me one big question that you want me to include in next week's podcast episode. 
Um, so just one big question, something that you want to know, uh, a question that you've been sitting on, something you want to learn, and uh, we'll talk about that. So I wanted to invite a new dimension of, uh, of, of connecting with, with our community every, every podcast just because of how beautiful it was with the inner critic and having all the girls on the show. So take a screenshot of this podcast, post it to Instagram, use the hashtag yoga girl podcast, and maybe I'll give you a call this week. Thank you so much for listening next week. I'll see you guys then. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. You can find all of them on rachelbraithen.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you normally get your podcast. Don't forget to leave a review while you are there. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And of course, thanks to my sponsors, TransferWise, ZipRecruiter, Parachute, and Daily Harvest. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week.